Hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I've got uh, a bit of an extravaganza on my hands here. So they are releasing a six-disc set of Ken Hensley's music over his career. Uh, this first CD that we're going to be talking about goes from songs from, what was it, 1973 to 1981. It's listed as solo, but it's very obvious that there are a, a number of Uriah Heep songs on this uh, particular CD. Because I've already reviewed these on Uriah Heep the Magician's podcast, I'm not going to go back over the Uriah Heep songs. There are, what, six of them. So we're just going to do the uh, the 12 solo tracks from Ken. Uh, however, what I've done is in the show notes, I've put links to each one of the reviews for all of the Uriah Heep songs. Some of them have multiple song reviews because there are multiple versions of them. Um, interesting that on this CD, uh, track 16 is listed as Paradise. It's really uh, Paradise the Spell because it really you know covers the whole uh, song from beginning to end. So uh, there's some great stuff on here. Uh, the way I'm going to do this is releasing this in six parts. I've still got a schedule to keep for the other shows, getting back to the rest of my review of Open Up and Say Ah by Poison with John Matola from the Deep Purple podcast. And of course, my review of Long Cold Winter by Cinderella with Corey Morissette, my, one of my co-hosts from Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited and one of the co-hosts of, with the same host, actually Backtracks Theme Music. Uh, with John Mariano. And then he does another show called And the Podcast Will Rock, all about Van Halen with our friend Mark Kameyer. So uh, I will be getting back to those two reviews. Uh, the uh, the one with John was four parts. The one with Corey was three parts. Those are coming. What I'm going to do with this one is I'm going to air one every day until we're through all six CDs. So it uh, comes out on the 24th. I'm very excited for this. Uh, Ken wrote a lot of just amazing music. One of, to me, uh, one of the composers that I connect with because so much of what he wrote was really from the heart, even if it was intellectual, even if it wasn't things that he directly experienced or like Lady in Black. He imagined the whole story just by seeing this woman, you know, didn't know her, um, but just came up with this whole story. But there's there's always a feeling that that he's searching for something that he's struggling with life, trying to find the answers, you know, and he's, he's, there's just something about the uh, believability, I think of what he's always done as a writer and a performer. So uh, I love the idea that these songs are getting re-released and um, was very grateful to um, be able to work with, um, you know, his manager, Steve and Cherry Red Records on getting this review out there. Thank you guys very much for your help. And let's get into the songs, because we've got a lot to cover on these CDs. These might be slightly longer episodes. I'm not sure. But let's get right into it. The first song is called When Evening Comes. Thank you. 
This almost reminds me a little bit of that Three Dog Night song, um, A Change Is Gonna Come. It has that feeling to the verse part musically. Um, one thing that I, you know, every time I go back and listen to Ken's music, that I, I realized he was very dramatic in pitch changes. It wasn't going from like the A to the C. It was going from like the A to the E. He always did something, you know, a lot more dramatic and more interesting. And um, this song really easily could have been a Uriah Heep song. Um, I had to go back and check, and this is not on my list for Uriah Heep. I thought maybe it was one of those tracks that was a bonus track on one of the albums, but it's not on my list unless it was under a different name. Uh, it sounded familiar until I got to the chorus. And then I'm like, no, I don't think I've heard this before. Um, really, really powerful song. I love the emotion that he puts into his vocals on this, which is so, it, it's such a classic song of his. Some great guitar playing, um, really strong sounds. I think the guitars are a little unbalanced volume wise in the mix. I think they could have been a little bit quieter or blended in a little bit more. Um, would have been uh, slightly more pleasing to my ear, but they they just stand out and bite a little too much and kind of take me out of the the flow of the song. But the performance and the writing is definitely there. I think it's an absolutely fantastic song and some great, great guitar playing, no doubt about that. And I love the patience of the song. You know, that's a tough tempo for a drummer and sometimes for a band to just really lay back and let the notes flow naturally because we have a tendency to speed up a little bit. And um, so it's, it's a great performance and I love the patience of the song. Our next song up on the list is called Black Hearted Lady. This is a beautiful song. It's one of those ones that you could just kind of lay in the grass and stare up at the sky and just listen to the music and let it just kind of take your mind away from the world. Um, one of my favorite things to do if I could find the time to do it. But uh, it's very lyrical. Um, that's another thing I've noticed about Ken is that when he's not singing, a lot of times he'll use the guitar um, to really replace the vocals and, and make uh, instead of like a riff to almost do something melodic and in place of words and really just kind of makes the song sing the whole time from beginning to end. Um, one other thing that I noticed that was really interesting about this song is it, it really sounds like Lee Kerslake style on the drums because he's hitting the snare as he lifts the hi-hat, uh, which was something I noticed a lot from Lee. But um, yeah, really nice song. Lots of great guitar layering. I love the acoustics on it. Didn't hear so much bass on this one. But it's just one of those, you know, singing from the heart, you know, sitting on, on a rock by the river, just strumming and playing and um, really beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And this, when I think of Ken outside of Uriah Heep, like outside of the heavier rock and roll stuff, 
this is exactly what style comes to mind. And while I wasn't familiar with this particular song, it, it's right in his wheelhouse, absolutely right in his wheelhouse of the stuff that I would come to expect from him as a solo artist uh, and some stuff with Uriah Heep as well. But it's different when you're, when you're writing by yourself and you're writing with collaborators. Even if you come in with an idea, uh, people will put their stamp on it, their own flavor. What if I strum it this way instead of that way? What if I pick this instead of strum it? Um, you know, how about I, I play the drums with this beat instead of the beat you had for the song or, you know, just little, little things that make the song a band's versus an individual person's, regardless of who's credited with the writing, um, which is why I never even bother to look anymore because, you know, a lot of people do work on a song and don't get credited. Um, and a lot of times it's political shenanigans anyway, as far as how that prints on an album or gets reported to, um, you know, publishing rights organization like BMI or ASCAP. So I don't, I don't really focus on that too much, but when an artist is solo, um, oftentimes they do write a lot of it, or, you know, maybe somebody else will write a song for them and say, Hey, I wrote this song, but it's really more you than me. Why don't you take a look at it? And maybe that artist will be like, yeah, you know what? I really like this. And then they'll give a proper credit. Uh, who knows? It, it's all kinds of things based on situations and management and negotiation. And sometimes people are just like, hey, you know what? I don't care about the money. I just think you'd be better singing the song. You know, that's not very common, but it happens. Um, so yeah, Black Hearted Lady, a really beautiful song for such a dark title. I like it. Uh, the next one is called From Time to Time. Um, definitely more familiar with this one. Um, let's just play it. feels like folk music. You know, um, I think about those guys that just sit on a stool with an acoustic guitar and, and sing and tell a story. Um, it, it really had that feel to it. But once everything kicks in, uh, it completely changes for me and, and just becomes like a classic uh, Ken Hensley song. Uh, I love the builds in there in this. There are some great layers with the organ and the Moog synth. And also just the vocals, you know, um, the guitars are just beautiful through this. This is the kind of stuff, and I've said this on the Magician's Podcast, this is the kind of stuff that makes me wish I could play guitar. Um, just to take an acoustic and, and learn a few chords and be able to strum and make it sound nice and pretty like this. Uh, I would love to be able to do that. But I also can't sing. So, it, you know, you kind of need vocals uh, to, to move a song like this along. It's not too interesting um, without some kind of vocal in it. Um, but there, there's some great performances. But what I love, too, about this is, in a way, it kind of reminds me of an unplugged version of a song called If I Had the Time from Uriah Heep's album Sweet Freedom. There's something about the long passage of the Moog in the background and then later uh, the Hammond where it just 
it just has that patience and that feel to it. The long part uh, where the song is really just allowed to breathe and then the vocals can come in and say a line and take a rest and say a line and take a rest. It has that feel for me. And Ken would do that a lot too, where he would say a line and then have room for the song to breathe and then say a line and have room for the song to breathe. And that's so important with this kind of music. You can't cram it together. You can't rush it. If you're going to put a song at a tempo this slow, you've got to have that room in there. You can't just have constant vocals chattering away. You know, you've got to, you got to have space in there. And if you're going to have space, then you have to have the music to back up the space. And Ken was a master of that, an absolute master of that. And that's one of the reasons I love his music so much. You know, uh, I wish I had thought about talking to him about that more when I interviewed him um, just a week before he passed away, but uh, didn't get to that. We had so much to cover. And I'm really just still to this day, so grateful I was able to speak with him. Um, just that one last time was was very important to me. So uh, moving on to our next song, this is one that you know, this is one that I've covered on the Magicians Podcast, but this is a different version and it's called Rain. It's raining outside But that's not unusual But the way that I'm feeling's becoming usual I guess you could say the clouds are moving away, away from your days and into This is a really interesting version. Uh, it actually comes in two sections, which is, you know, if you're familiar with the version from The Magician's Birthday, as I am, you know, it's a song I've been listening to for 30 years easily. Uh, it's weird to hear versions that have a different format or a different uh, style or performance to them. Uh, obviously, the mix is very different. The bells are are much more prominent in the mix here. Uh, but there, you know, when it stops and it comes back in, it's very powerful, almost like it was recorded in a, in a big church auditorium. And there's a, a nice layered vocal in there and an organ that gets added in. It's a very, very powerful, very much worth listening to. Um, you know, it's it's so weird. You get so attached to certain things. And as I've been going through and uh, remaking older albums that never got a proper release, and I'm like, if I'm going to re-release these songs... I want them to have a, you know, a cleaner sound. I want them to have better writing because as a composer back then, I was nowhere near the maturity that I am now. I didn't have the ability to make um, better decisions, you know, and, and not to knock myself. I mean, I didn't have training. I was where I was as a writer. And over the years, I've gotten better, hopefully. So as I'm looking back at these older songs, I'm like, okay, this part goes on too long. I really need to cut this in half. This part doesn't make any sense at all. So I just need to drop it out. And it's hard to make those decisions because you get so married to what you know, what's nostalgic, what is comforting. You know, even if you know like this could be better, it, it's such an amazing thing. So when I hear 
different versions. And I learned, you know, listening to a lot of uh, the Uriah Heep albums that had multiple versions of songs, you might have a demo version and then the real version, or maybe this was like the song that Ken wrote and he brought to the band. He goes, okay, here's the song I had. Let's work on it and make it a heap thing. Um, some, some of them were similar and some of them were vastly different. And um, I, I love seeing that transition, seeing that growth. But at the same time, it's hard because you get so stuck with the nostalgia of what you're used to. Um, this is a really powerful version. I like that the the song that ended the Magician's Birthday side of the album uh, was the way it was. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I really like this kicking it into a whole nother gear. I'm glad he didn't add drums or anything like that. I think it would have ruined it for me. I think it would have been a step too far. But the layers of vocals and the layers of organ in here is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, I don't debate which versions of songs I like better um, because I either like it or I don't like it. And to me, that's the only thing that really matters. I hate comparisons and things like that. Um, but I would say... And it's a it's an uphill battle fighting against that nostalgia. I would say this this is a very good version that I would easily listen to just as much as I would listen to the other. Um, so that's as close as I come to making decisions on superiority in music. Um, it's not about that to me. It's never a competition. Uh, I, I think that's a fairly ridiculous thing to do um, because it's it's all about what you enjoy and what you don't. You know, love the things that you love discard the things that you don't love, but give them a chance down the road. You never know. Tastes change, just like with food, with people, with interests, you know, people change over the course of time. And something you didn't like 10 years ago, you might absolutely love now. So always be open to give things another chance. We're going to give a chance to this next song. It's one I'm not familiar with. It is called Secret. Okay, big elephant in the room. Clearly that is ripped right out of the song The Magician's Birthday from the album The Magician's Birthday. And uh, that's fine. He wrote it. But here's the thing. Um, it is repurposed in a very nice way. It is really the foundation of the whole song. Um, there's not a lot of lyrics, despite the clip. Um, a good majority of the song is just uh, soloing on the steel guitar over that bed of music. Uh, it's very nice. It's very hypnotic. Um, again, Ken has this way of, of writing music that you just get soaked into, you know, it's, it's, it's just like you're in a warm bath of water or on like an air mattress floating away on the pond. Um, there's just something about his music that has always made me feel that way. Um, at least with a good majority of the songs anyway. I mean, that's predominantly the style of the songs that I'm familiar with. Uh, obviously, he's got a lot of other stuff that he's done, but um, certainly with his solo stuff, that's what comes to mind is exactly this kind of music. And uh, this song is great. Um, it's really interesting how it how it just plays on and has um, just the soloing over it. This very, very well done. 
So uh, another beautiful song on this album. Five in, five hits, as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, I, I'm I'm trying not to be biased. This is just the kind of music I like. So I don't have to be biased. It's, there it is. So this next song is called Take and Take. song reminds me of something and it took me a while to connect um, what it actually was. And I think it's a little bit the bass line and a little bit the uh, vocals when they come in later singing the Oz. And um, it would be uh, If I Have the Time, which was on Sweet Freedom, an album that I love very much uh, and a song I love very much. So there's that. I don't like the uh, chorus on the vocals. um, And I think the vocals are a little quiet for this mix. Uh, this would be a rough song to mix because the volume levels um, just by nature, by the the style of the song are up and down a little bit, um, kind of gets more powerful than it dials back. But I think that the vocals are just a little too quiet in the quiet section. Um, I think they should should tower a little bit over where the uh, the music is because the word should really be the focus at that point. Even not being a lyrics guy, I feel comfortable saying that. But a really beautiful song. There's some great playing on it. It's more of a return to that rock ballad guitar, as opposed to some of what we've heard, especially coming off of a steel guitar, pedal steel guitar solo on the last song. Um, But really nice, really nice stuff. Uh, Really enjoyed this song. It's got a good emotion to it and uh, just a good feel. And, you know, I don't know, like if I were to look at a set list of the songs that we've heard so far, I really don't think you could do, but maybe one of them live. Because you just can't, you know, you can't do a lot of slow songs if you're doing a concert. Um, now, if you're playing in a in a bar, maybe you're playing like in a blues bar or something or or where they would do folk music, you could probably do all these songs in a, in a set or in a night. But, you know, you've got to mix up energy and, and then, you know, bring it down every three or four songs or whatever the formula is going to be for your set. But you need more energy, you know, to be able to perform these songs live. So I imagine whichever ones he did, I would imagine he did Rain Um, probably did from time to time, if not maybe one or two of the others here and there. But, uh, you know, you you definitely have to measure out uh, where you put slower songs in a live set. So uh, our next song is one that we actually have a couple of versions of in this box set. And this one is called The House on the Hill.
on the hill With the cat, the raccoon And a fat, lazy daydream to kill This is a, another song. It just flows right along with the other ones. Uh, very similar style, patient tempo, uh, just nice, straightforward vocals. And uh, again, you could just lay back on your pillow, stare out the window at the clouds and just, you know, watch them gently float across the sky and and just be in a complete relaxed state. Um, maybe that's where some of my um, interest in uh, relaxation music originally came from. I don't know. Um of course, growing up in Michigan, we had lots of clouds and things that you could look at, uh, as opposed to now living in the desert. It's either almost all clouds or no clouds at all. It's very different from where I grew up. But yeah, this is just a, another beautifully strummed, performed song, a very good singer-songwriter style song. And uh, that gentle vocal, you know, you just can't help but to feel passion coming from that. You don't have to have a lot of vibrato, a lot of hard driving vocals or anything to feel passion. I think a lot of times these are the songs that bring it out even more. And Ken, you know, you could always feel a reality coming from Ken, like I said at the beginning of the show, that I don't necessarily buy from a lot of singers. And probably one of the reasons I'm not a lyrics guy is a lot of times it seems like the emotion in the song or in the performance doesn't necessarily match the story they're telling. And, you know, depending musically, it might not work if you told it that way. But certainly in uh, with songs like this, it's all about that. I mean, that's, you know, the whole thing. The music is the bed to tell the story, really. And uh, very just nice, gentle stuff on this. There's uh, some nice cymbal swishes, too, uh, towards the end, which were a bit of a surprise. I really enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, very beautifully performed. Great recording on this one, too. I, I actually like the level of vocal to guitar on this one. I think it sounds really good. And our next song is called When. This song is really interesting. Uh, you know, just listening to that opening, you certainly wouldn't have expected uh, those, you know, spacey synth sounds to come in. And the song really takes off in a different direction. Um, later on, there's this really nice flange synth in there. Reminds me a lot of something ELO would have done. In fact, I think this song would have worked beautifully on the soundtrack of Xanadu. Um, kind of a missed opportunity, I think, for for this. But uh, I love the highs that he puts in the vocals. He does some great doubling later on, especially when he gets more intense. And it just has that classic Ken ending, you know, where the song just kind of goes on into the distance and you just want to chase it. You know, you don't want the moment to be over. 
yes, you can go back and start the song over, but you kind of want to be on the journey with it and go where the song goes instead of having to let it trail off into the distance and you go back to what you've already heard again. Uh, definitely has a really good feel to it. I really like the style of this one. I like that the bass is playing it as a shuffle, but the drums are playing more straightforward as a as just a regular 4-4 beat. Uh, really nice song. Very nice layering on this one. Um, great vocals, really showing the stretch of his range as well and just how comfortable he is jumping up to those higher notes and uh, and singing uh, actual words and not something that's like an ooh or an ah with a, with a higher voice. Um, very nice song. Definitely one worth listening to again. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have something a little more upbeat, mixing things up a little bit. And that brings us to our next song, which is called Inside the Mystery. This song isn't just funky. It's damn funky. Man, I love this. Uh, it's got such a killer groove to it. Awesome bass guitar taken over by that keyboard and just it's relentless. You know, killer energy definitely has that 70s feel, but doesn't have a 70s sound like the bass and the synth bass definitely have that 70s sound. But like when the drums come in, it sounds more modern. It's really interesting. It doesn't have that, you know, sort of mellow wash over the 70s sound from the way things were recorded back then. So uh, it's a very interesting contrast in, in terms of the production. But uh, from what we hear in this clip, in this section of the song that I'm playing, it goes into a whole other cinematic part where the chorus is completely unexpected, um, this huge sound wash, but yet they accomplish it. And thank you so much for doing this without the benefit of brick wall limiting, which would have killed the dynamics in this. It The sound really does sound like it's just pushed to the hilt, but it's not. Even looking at the waveform of this uh, file, I'm like, wow, it, it's amazing what they did and the sound that they got without pushing the limit of volume. Absolutely tremendous. Thank you guys so much for whoever made the decisions uh, or whoever uh, people, I should say, because it might have been more than one person, made the decision not to brick wall limit this. Uh, I think it keeps the integrity of the music and definitely uh, sounds great without it. And it just proves we can do it. So for those of you who are uh, planning on brick wall limiting your project right now, stop it. Try and see what you can do without the brick wall limiter. OK, let's just keep music sounding good. Now, uh, I love this song. Absolutely killer. Great energy. Um, very upbeat. Really funky. Really something different. I've never heard anything quite like this from Ken before. So uh, highly enjoyable, I have to say. Uh, our next song up is called City We're All Familiar With, wherever you are in the world, probably New York. Or maybe he's talking about the state. I don't know. 
Um, this song was okay. Uh, not a particular standout track for me. Um, the I think the uh, the backing vocals kind of ruin it a little bit. The production's a little bit dry. It sounds very padded in studio, um, especially coming off of our last song, which was very lively and big sounding. Um, big sounding. Those are some great words. Um, yeah, not not bad though. Uh, and then the chorus goes New York, New York. So I don't know if they're saying the city twice, the state twice, or the city and state. <laughs> it's always a challenge when you have a, a double name like that. But uh, I mean, not a bad song by any means. The the drums are pretty cool. There's some good stuff on there. Um, Ken's vocal performance is great. But um, yeah, just kind of a, an average song for me. And you know what, guys? Seriously, they can't all be number one hits. I don't care how good of a writer you are. Not everything you do is going to be the greatest thing you've ever done. It's just not possible. Uh, decent song, but you know, my personal taste, just not a favorite. And that's okay. Because now we're going to go to a song called Brown Eyed Boy. What can I say about this one? Uh, great energy, just a great straightforward rock and roller. You really don't know where it's going to go from that opening note, but man, this kicks in. It's got just killer, killer sound to it. Um, really good vocal layering in parts to to emphasize the point. Um, I like when a singer can do that and and sound good. And here, Ken just nails it. It's almost like he just duplicated it. It's such you know precisely sung. And uh, great guitar playing on this one. Uh, some really good drum fills. Uh, I don't know who played on the song, but uh, whoever they did, absolutely fantastic job. I'm a fan of this mystery person. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's really been kind of unbalanced because we started off with so many so so many slow songs, and now we're hitting like all the energy songs in this middle pocket. Uh, we've got one more to cover on this one, and then uh, then it goes down to uh, all the uh, Uriah Heap tracks that I've already covered on the Magicians podcast. So remember, uh, go ahead and take a listen to those episodes as you like. The links are in the show notes for each and every one of them. If you can't find them, go to the website, scotthaskin.com. Go to the Uriah Heat podcast link and all these shows are there. And all of these songs came from, looks like, uh, Demons and Wizards and The Magician's Birthday. So uh, just those two seasons and you'll find them all there. So we're on our last track here. This one is simply called... Woman. Woman, you are a mystery to me. You're really not what I thought you would be from the start. I've tried 
is a really interesting one because it has like a, a hopeful message, but the music, it feels kind of dark, almost like uh, You Don't Own Me, that song, even though it's not as 60s and echoey. Um, but it just has that feel. And then there's that just pulse that comes in. It sounds like it could be a mandolin. I don't know if Ken played mandolin much, but uh, it definitely has that plinky feel to it. So I don't know. This is a really interesting one. Then it just kind of fades out. Um, I wish there was maybe another part to it, some kind of change. Um, it's interesting listening to Ken's solo stuff as opposed to stuff that he did with Uriah Heep, because it seemed like with Uriah Heep, they were always like, all right, what's one more thing we can add? What's a different part we can use to change this up? Where Ken's solo stuff, a lot of it is more straightforward than that. So I, I have to wonder the difference between I'm writing this song for myself, so I'm writing it this way versus I'm writing for Uriah Heep, so I'm writing that way versus just how the band themselves transformed a composition that he brought to the band. And I think about their new album, uh, Chaos and Color, where, you know, the, the very first track on the album, we get a bonus track on the deluxe CD that shows the original recording and how uh, that was brought to Uriah Heep as a possible song for the album. And Uriah Heep said, cool, let's make this a Uriah Heep song and really transformed it. And I love that you get to see the difference between those two. So listening to Ken's solo style versus what we know of him with Uriah Heep, especially in the earlier years, like around Magician's Birthday and Demons and Wizards, it's really interesting how things might have evolved. So, um, you know, we'll never know, but I think that's a, a pretty uh, cool way to look at things. And uh, I really like the 80s sound of this, though. Um, I think the production's really good. Uh, I just wish there was a, maybe another part to it to change things up a little, because it's almost a little too straightforward for me. Um, I think there's like a, a bit of just missing potential in it. But a solid song, nonetheless. And I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys did too. The other six songs that are on here, like I said, are, um, I'm sorry, the other five songs that are on here. No, six. Ah, I'm looking at the wrong CD because we get another version of this that shows up on CD number five. And that's what I was looking at. So going back to disc number one, which we're covering today, uh, the, the next six songs are all from Demons and Wizards and The Magician's Birthday. They are those actual recordings. So there's nothing different about them. Um, to go over here that I haven't already gone over on the Magicians podcast. So any of those that interest you. But I will say it's it's fascinating that they pick Poets Justice for this because um, that's always been one Uriah Heap song that from the first time I heard it uh, just is them for me. Like I, I've always loved that song back when I used to choose a favorite song of the day or the week or, you know, whatever Poets Justice ended up uh, on the top of that list uh, many, many times. And uh, interestingly, when I uh, first met Mick, uh, I couldn't figure out how to actually reach him to request an interview. So uh, I wrote in this question to ask Mick, which was a YouTube series that he was doing where you could write in a question and uh, he might cover it in a video and answer it. And uh, he actually did the interview. We met, we talked about the song, and then he answered the question for ask an Ask Mick episode. So that was a lot of fun. But yeah, it's a it's a great song. Um, great keyboard song too, uh, for sure. And some really wonderful vocals in there. Um, great guitar sound. Um, but yeah, of uh, that remains one song that I just, you know, to this day, just if it's on, uh, even if I only have a minute to listen to it, I'll listen to that full minute. I'll listen to as much as I can because I love that so much. 
so that will do it for today's episode covering CD number one of this brand new box set, Past and Present, Songs and Time. Tomorrow we will cover CD number two. So stay tuned. That will be coming out at 1 a.m. Los Angeles time, just like this one did. See you tomorrow, guys. Cheers. Cheers.